Christina Donnelly has set out to change the laws in this country to protect people from reckless drivers. She became a campaigner after the death of her son, Brendan. Brendan was on his way to the airport with friends when a drunk driver crashed head on into their car. Both Brendan and his best friend, Lee, were killed instantly. The driver left the scene at the time, but was later jailed. He had consumed excessive amounts of alcohol and had done a line of cocaine before he got behind the wheel. Christina spoke to the Journal.ie's Left Behind podcast, presented by me, Michelle Hennessy. We'll be hearing from people who found themselves thrust into the role of a campaigner after a serious loss. They'll tell us what brought them to where they are now and how they feel about having to fight for change during one of the most challenging times in their lives. Christina told us about her journey. Brendan, uh, my beautiful son, was the most loving, caring, um, he had a heart of gold and has a heart of gold, as I always say, I speak about him in the present tense. And he was a very hardworking and, and very studious young man. And he was always aiming to achieve, achieve, achieve. But with all that, he had the most amazing sense of humour. But the one thing that um, really I, I would say about Brendan was is, is loyalty. He was the most loyal young man, um, both to friends and family. And uh, it, it, a hard shoes to fit. Really great guy. And so on the 26th of October in 2009, Brendan and his friend Lee and their two girlfriends, they were on their way to Cork Airport for a holiday to Amsterdam. What happened on that morning? Um, well, as four young people, uh, they left in plenty of time to travel to Cork Airport to catch a flight to Amsterdam. Uh, Brendan was um, just having a little break in celebration that he's moved in to his first new house and was very proud of that at his age. He was only in there about 10 or 11 weeks. And Lee was, uh, and Kate were celebrating um, the birth of their beautiful little girl, Sasha, which they'd only christened uh, three weeks prior to that. She was only a couple of weeks old and, and uh, you know, they had, it was a celebration, but it was a little break for them just before the Christmas period. And they left in plenty of time. Um, they got through Castle Martyr and they were coming up around from the Castle Martyr Resort all, up around about five, mi- uh, five minutes from there. Um, they, uh, the roads were very quiet, actually, considering it was a bank holiday weekend. And out of nowhere, um, you know, it was headlights and uh, the, uh, Anthony Long, who was driving the other car, um, had been drinking very, very heavily and had taken cocaine. He'd missed his turn on that road and continued on up and uh, on the wrong side of the road and crashed head on into the car, the Volkswagen Polo, in which Brendan was front seat passenger and Lee, his best friend, was behind him. And the two boys were killed instantly and um, he left the scene of the crash. And how did you first hear then that, that Brendan had been killed? I first heard about it. Um, I always would keep my mobile phone beside the bed, you know, just in case, you know, the lads would ever ring me, Sean or Brendan or whatever. And um, the phone rang in the middle of the night and I couldn't get a very good reception where I was living in the country. And I, I remember hearing Garda and Middleton and immediately I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, Brendan's forgotten a passport or, you know, he's forgotten something and he's ringing me. Uh, so I just said to the guard, um, I'll just pop into the kitchen. I'll get a better reception in there. And I went into the, the kitchen and I, I said to the guard, I said, oh, I can hear you clearly now. 
And he said to me, uh, is that Christina Donnelly? And I said, yes. And he said, this is Garda, such and such from Middleton Garda Station. And the next words will live with me for the rest of my life. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you there's been a crash and Brendan is dead. My reaction to that was, it was just like a tsunami had gone through my heart and my home. I couldn't take the words in. I, 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 I couldn't understand this word, dead. And I remember screaming to him, um, where is he? I have to get to him. That's all I kept screaming. And at this stage, I was on the floor with the phone. I, I, I was just constantly screaming, where is he? Where is he? I have to get to him. And the guard said to me, do you drive? I said, yes. And he said, you're not to get into your car. He said, we are sending the, some members of a guard of Sheikona out to you. What about the, the days and, and the weeks and I suppose even the months following that? Because not only had you lost Brendan, but uh, you had also lost Lee, who was a very close friend of his and both of their girlfriends were injured. It must have been a difficult time for everybody around you as well. It was absolutely shocking. And sometimes, you know, when you least expect it, uh, regardless of the amount of time after you've lost somebody, you, 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 for some reason it will pop into your head and you'll go back in time. And sometimes I actually think about certain times and, you know, they're an absolute blur because when something like this happens in your life and it's, it's just so sudden, uh, you, you, you can't think, but yet you're trying to think. I was trying to take on the role of mother and, you know, I was also desperately trying to to support my son, Sean. There was only 14 months between them. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, uh, the boy who should have been texting me to say that he'd landed and that everything was fine. You know, he ended up going to the morgue, you know, in, in, in University Hospital in Cork uh, because of the actions of somebody else, a drunk driver. And I... I I was absolutely trying to wear so many hats and so many masks, arrange a funeral. I mean, it seems like such a blur. You know, I, I still remember going to the choir master and arranging songs and, and, and hymns for a boy who should have been getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And my son, Sean, absolutely fell apart with the loss of his brother. And it was just the most awful, horrendous time. My heart and soul were absolutely ripped out of me and ripped out of Sean. I couldn't get over the fact that Brendan was never coming home to me again. And he was just too good to have ended up on the side of the road like this. And it's still with me to this day. And the driver who was responsible, Anthony Long, he was 29 at the time. As you already said, he fled the scene, but he later admitted that he was involved. And during the trial, um, this is something that I've always remembered about it, it emerged that he'd had 11 cans or bottles of beer, seven pints, two uh, vodkas, three <clears throat> shots of aftershock. And he'd also done a line of cocaine. I mean, how did you feel when you heard just how much he'd had before he got behind the wheel? Oh, I was absolutely horrified. I was absolutely so angry. I was very, very angry and I still get angry to this day because the way I see it is, is that regardless of that vast amount of alcohol that he had taken, he still knew how to find the keys. He still knew where his car was. He knew how to put it in gear and get out on the road. He presumed he knew where he was heading. So he knew he was doing wrong. And this is my opinion. He knew he was doing wrong that night. So he had no respect or regard for human life. 
and that was the result. His 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 negligence and his total disregard for 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 other people's lives, and uh, you know, t- because of his actions, crashed head on into four young people, and leaving two mothers without their sons. And Lee was an only son, um, and and leaving myself without our gorgeous Brendan and Sean who has never gotten over the death of his brother without his younger brother I was absolutely horrified shocked and very very angry and he he was after that trial sentenced to five years in prison now he only served three and a half years in the end and obviously nothing would have been enough enough for you but even after the hearing the the five years what did you think I, I can remember that very very well in the court and the one thing I found about the the being in court, because you're absolutely still numb and you, you still don't realise that the trial that's going on is, is, is about somebody that you've lost so needlessly on the road. And when I heard five years, I remember actually saying out loud, you know, I was aghast. And so many of us looked at each other and... We knew at that time that five, he would never serve five years. But even at five years, which the judge handed down, that was two and a half years for, for two fine young men in the prime of their life. And then to know that he was serving three years and, and uh, a couple of months. And also to know that he and to learn that he would, for the four or five months before release, he would be allowed home on weekend leave to, uh, you know, integrate back into the community again and with his family. Well, we didn't have Brendan to come back and settle into family life with us. We didn't have Brendan to send us a Christmas card, a birthday card, a Mother's Day card. You know, we had none of that and we didn't have an address for Brendan. We, have, we still put the, the cards up on the mantelpiece for Brendan. We still send each other Christmas cards from Brendan, Sean and I, birthday presents. And, you know, we had none of that. And yet somebody who could kill two young boys after getting into a car and to be handed down a sentence of, of three years and a couple of months was an absolute disgrace. And I still say the judicial system in this country is in the draconian era and families in the courts, you actually are, and I know from speaking to other families, you're actually invisible on the day. Everything that is said is afforded to the defendant, not to the victims or the families. And you've been campaigning now for a number of years to push for changes in the legislation around drink driving. How did that start for you? It started um, about a year, within the year that I'd lost Brendan. And I mean, I wouldn't be one that would be well up at all on, on legislation or sentencing. God forbid you hear about people who had been in a similar situation and your heart would break for them. And um, you'd hear about sentences, you'd read about it, you'd hear about it in the media, but you never think it's going to knock on your own front door. And um, the campaign started within the year. And I remember one morning vividly, um, not long after I got up out of bed and For some reason, it came to me that, you know, um, the driver who had killed my son and his friend was allowed, was being allowed to drive because the trial hadn't happened yet um, up until such time as he appeared before the judge for sentencing. And I just thought this is absolutely wrong. How can somebody who has, you know, knowingly and willingly got into a car after consuming vast amounts of alcohol or drugs being a contributory factor, you know, be allowed to get into a car, even though their car keys are impounded and they've been charged in the guard station. But when they sober up, they can come out and get back into a car and drive again. And I just thought to myself, something is very, very wrong here. 
And that's where the campaign started. And I started by simply asking local councillors. I went into the local guard stations in Waterford, in Burr, in Offaly, where I came from, asking what were the laws, what were the rules, how can a driver be allowed to continue to drive? And I had the same answer from um, uh, each one of the emergency services, the Guard Shiacona, and from the local councillors. They said that it had never been challenged or asked before. And the Guard Shiacona said basically it was a rule and a law which had been written in stone and it had never been changed. And I mean, I was simply a mother who had lost her son and I just was like a dog with a bone because I was so angry over Brendan's death, so angry and so lost. And I thought, no, this cannot be right and something needs to change here. And that is, is where Brendan's Law started in the embryotic stages. I thought, no, if you kill someone and you're over the legal limit, you lose your right and your privilege to hold a licence and get back into a car and drive again. You had some success then in, in 2016. Um, there were a lot of visits to Dublin, a lot of closed doors on my face. I had amazing support uh, from the community. Um, uh, Brendan's Law campaign for road safety was set up on Facebook. I had and have messages from all over the world in on Brendan's page. It has over 8,000, you know, followers and, and, and uh, hits on his page. God bless him. And between the um, jigs and the reels, you know, the, the visit to Dublin, the Transport Committee, which I had fought to fight very hard to get to and was told I wouldn't. But I, I wasn't taking no for an answer. And I would, that day I will always remember because when I got in to meet them that day, there were three members of the Transport Committee there and they actually agreed with me that it was wrong and they were going to go back to a legal team and see how this worked and how it could be addressed. And they got in touch with me and then it was meeting Taoiseach at the time and, and you know, Minister for Transports. But to me, you know, they it wasn't about, you know, a mother being up there in Dublin and, 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 and perhaps, you know, being in the media. It was about a mother who was fighting for the rights of and being the voice of my son and also for all bereaved families who would never, ever, ever have the opportunity to get their loved ones back. But I knew by throwing myself heart and soul into this campaign and not not letting go of it to have a driver removed with a licence withdrawn immediately once you are over the legal limit, take a life or injure somebody on our roads. I knew that this would bring some semblance of justice and, and comfort to families of the future who will sadly get the same knock on the door as I did. I mean, it's obviously been a terribly traumatic time for you. How did you manage to do all of that? How did you manage to keep going? Um, I've been asked that question many, many times and I'll be very, very honest with you. I mean, there were times when to say I was drained uh, uh, was doesn't even explain it. I mean, I was absolutely worn out and drained because the more I was told, we, you know, even with, with people in Dublin, we look into this, you know, I would be there on my own. Uh, well, I'd have my son Sean with me. But I mean, for some reason, I, I, I got the strength from Brendan. And I know that because we uh, as a family were so, so close. I nicknamed us the three musketeers, Sean and Brendan and I. And I knew, and I mean this from the heart, that my son would never have given up had this happened to, to Sean or to myself. That's the sort of a young man that Brendan was. But it was very, very draining. But I knew that there was a reason behind what I was doing. And until I firmly got a no that this would never happen, that's when I thought that I would give up. But 
I wouldn't, I couldn't. And I'm glad that I did not give up with regards to this campaign. And eventually, you know, it was, I set out three main objectives to uh, uh, the both Taoiseachs at the time and then to uh, Minister Ross above in Dublin. And when I actually got to meet with Minister Ross in Dublin and put the three main objects to him with regards to withdrawal of a licence and then mandatory sentencing, which tick a different box and, and um, withdrawing a licence, um, you know, he agreed that he had never been asked about this before. So that gave me some hope. And he said he would look into it also. And I waited. I waited for months to get answers around that phone. Every time the phone rang, I jumped. And as I say, after a lot of closed doors, a lot of tears, being absolutely drained and begging, literally begging to to get to meet people in Dublin and explain the situation on behalf of all bereaved families and what deaths like this, what it does to families, hits you like a tsunami and rips you apart. I mean, it was passed by Cabinet and then I went to other uh, speakers in the Oireachtas and finally, you know, I was told that, yes, it was going to be brought into legislation. And I will never forget that when I when I got that word in the July that um, legislation, you know, was we were just nearly ending it. And the, the, the most uh, weird and amazing thing about it all was that Brendan's anniversary was the 26th of October. And I got word, as you're probably aware anyway, that the whole country knows that on the 26th of October, legislation for the withdrawal of a licence, immediate withdrawal of a licence and and, and, uh, 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 not being able to drive actually happened on the 26th of October, which to me is just, it's just, it's to say it's amazing is, is just unreal. I mean, you couldn't make it up. And I mean, the work that you've done, you've obviously achieved an awful lot, but do you ever feel resentment about having to do that? Because as you said yourself, you're not a legislator. You didn't have any experience in this. You were a grieving mother. I didn't. I, I, I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't know. Th- um, I didn't know um, uh, the what was going on in other EU countries. I mean, genuinely and from the heart, I had to sit down and, you know, and Google and learn and listen and ask questions. I actually went back and did a computer course because Brendan used to do so much for me. And I remember when I went back to do that computer course, I always remember it here in Waterford. I thought to myself, you know what, Brendan. I know you're behind me on this because I never thought I'd see myself doing this, you know, a computer course sort to learn about legislation. But the toughest part of it was I realised then that I was speaking about my precious, beautiful son in the past tense. I shouldn't have been speaking about him in the past tense. And I always find it very sad, very, very sad and still do that this wasn't the road that Brendan and the route uh, that Brendan had, you know, had um, envisaged for myself because this is not what he would have wanted. Um, he would have wanted to, you know, to save lives and protect lives. And I say this without any hesitation. Brendan would not have wanted his mother to be crying and grieving and, and begging and, 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 you know, going back to, to uh, you know, uh, do a computer course with regards to drunk driving and taking lives. And that was the hardest part of it all. And all this was happening to me and my family. And I was falling apart. Sean was falling apart. And I was trying to be a mother as well as, as, as um, you know, fighting this campaign. And I did it from the kitchen table, you know, on my own, on, my, uh, on the computer. 
Um, but for for somewhere and for some reason, you know, I kept going at it. I kept at it and I would not give up. Um, and even towards the end, I was absolutely drained. But when I heard about legislation being passed, it was worth absolutely every single moment of it. And I say this not with, um, uh, you know, uh, looking for, for sympathy in any way. Um, I'm glad in a way that I had to go through it and I stuck with it because I cry behind closed doors and, and that's the way I deal with it. And like any grieving parent or persons who campaign for, you know, uh, saving lives on our roads, you do you do your crying behind closed doors. And I do. I cry a lot. And when I look at the pictures in my in my home, you know, Brendan's picture stop it at 24 years of age and um, he will never, ever, ever become a dad. He would have been a wonderful, wonderful dad. He will never become a husband. Um, I will never see his grandchildren. You know, I have his tie and his socks in my car. Um, I have his favourite, very, very favourite shirt. Always it's folded up under my pillow, his brown shirt. Um, you know, he, my bedroom is like a shrine to Brendan. And why? All because somebody decided to drink and drive and um, not think about the consequences. Um, but the consequences are both for me and for other bereaved families is that, you know, it's like a tsunami. Your, your, your house is completely brought down. It's very hard to rebuild, Michelle, very hard. And I mean, you mentioned the other families. There are so many families that are affected by this across the country. I mean, do you find any comfort in having been able to be a voice for them? Um, well, I, I'm being honest with you. A lot of people say that to me and I find that very hard to take in. Because When I say that, I mean, it's said as a compliment, but I'm not one for compliments. And that's the truth. To me, I was simply a mother who was knew that what happened to my son was wrong. And I would fight tooth and nail until I had every breath of my body, until I got some some semblance of justice, both for myself and and on behalf of all other bereaved families that I had spoken to. And I'm talking hundreds and hundreds, you know, during campaigning or at, you know, um, uh, functions for, you know, with the schools, um, addressing students or whether it be the 18th of November, World Day Remembrance, all the wonderful, wonderful families that you meet. And some of those families never had justice. Drivers were never got sentenced. They got a slap on the wrist. And when you hear other family stories, you know, for a few moments, you actually forget about what you're going through because they're actually going through worse, even though the sentence handed down uh, for the death of my son and his friend was an absolute insult, both to Brendan and Lee and both my family and Lee's family. But, you know, I'm glad that I, 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 I did all that. I, I, I really am. But the heartbreak and, and the hurt um, and it happens every single day of the week when you least expect it, you're you're overwhelmed with grief. And it could be the day that, you know, somebody tells you, you're looking well today, Christina. Um, you know, how are you? And you'll say the usual, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you're not fine. You just want to get into your car, go home, take off the bit of makeup. And I do that. And I just sit down and, you know, so I just burst into tears. And when I look at Brendan's pictures, I think, why? Why in the name of God did this have to happen? But I know that there are so many beautiful and wonderful families out there that are saying exactly the same thing. They understand what I'm going through and what Sean is going through. 
and vice versa. They understand my pain. And so what's next for you now, Christina, with your campaign? Well, I always have something up my sleeve and I feel that, um, you know, not because legislation being passed and and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted in honour of Brent and his friend and all bereaved families of the future, you know, that, that this will bring some semblance of justice and comfort, as I say, to know that the driver who, who destroy their families d- does not have the right, you know, to get into a car and drive until he appears before a judge. But no, my, um, I won't stop. Um, there, there are other issues which I feel that need to be addressed. And uh, please, God, in the new year, you know, I hope to address them. Um, you know, it can be very hard trying to get things, you know, going. But I think that, I think success is the wrong word to use. I think that with what happened, you know, with Brendan's law, and I was told that it, it, it would never, it could never happen, that this had never been challenged before. I think that, well, I know that, you know, that Brendan is with me the whole way. And I think there are many, many, you know, issues with regards to road safety. And many, many of them have been addressed before, of course. So many of them with regards to drugs, you know, distracted driving, you know, uh, mobile phone. But there is always something. And um, I feel that this is part of my life now. And if I can be of any help to any other family, and, you know, other families being helpful and supportive to me. I think for me that, you know, this is this is my day back at school again, basically, if, you know, if that's the right way to put it. Um, I couldn't stop and, and I wouldn't stop because, you know, a life is priceless. You, you, you can't put a price on a life. And, um, it, you know, if, if, if somebody who who knowingly and willingly gets into a car and, and, and uh, you know, takes a chance or thinks they're going to avoid, you know, guard a presence on a road and takes some mother route and, you know, tries all these tactics to to try and avoid being caught. You know, it will catch up with them someday. And, you know, um, I think there is a lot of work to be done and uh, road safety to still be addressed to say, you know what, it's wrong and you can't do this. And, and you know, it will catch up on you because, as I always say, you know, my today is somebody else's tomorrow. Christina, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your family story with us. Thank you very, very much for having me, Michelle. You've been listening to the Journal.ie's podcast, Left Behind, presented by me, Michelle Hennessy, and produced and edited by Nikki Ryan. Music is by Audionautics. Thank you to WLOR FM in Waterford for their help with this episode. And thank you for listening.